0: Hi everyone, and welcome to VMware Partnership Perspectives. I'm Kathleen Tandy, Vice President of Global Partner and Alliance Marketing at VMware, and I'm excited to bring you the stories and trends from our VMware partners, executives, and industry analysts. Today we'll be hearing from Tara Fine, Senior Director of Canada National Partner Sales at VMware, and Amber McGuff, Senior Director of Worldwide Cloud Provider Sales at VMware. Both were recently recognized by CRN's Women of the Channel Power 100 list and are shining examples of VMware's partner-first culture. Together, we discuss the rapid transition to SaaS and consumption models accelerated by the pandemic, emerging trends around managed services, and more. Let's take a listen. Tara and Amber, welcome to Partnership Perspectives. So happy to have you join us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Kathleen. So both of you were recently recognized by CRN as among their Women of the Channel Power 100 list. So first off, congratulations to you both for that recognition. I'd love it if you could give our audience a quick overview of your role here at VMware and how you're working to support our partners and maybe about what are some of the transformational things that you led over the last year that led to you being recognized or achieving that great
1: recognition. Tara, let's start with you. Thank you so much. Well, first of all, it was such an honor to be recognized. It was my first time. So newbie to that list, which is just so exciting, especially uh, being in Canada and being Canadian, uh, to be recognized in an industry, in and a US industry publication and uh, organization. It's just so flattering. In terms of what I do each and every day is help lead our partner business in Canada. And I'm responsible for driving growth across the diverse set of partners, along with our customers and really trying to transform our go to market as we continue to evolve both in terms of VMware and what our solutions continue to evolve into, as well as our Canadian market and really trying to understand and help our partners wrap their arms around the trends, uh, what our customers are struggling with, where they're going where our partners need to be in order to stay relevant. I think if there was ever a year to get this recognition, it's pretty incredible given the challenges we all faced, both our partners, our customers, and our teams in terms of what we do every day. From what I have observed in the last year, trust transcends time. And when you've built those relationships over the the previous years, Zoom can take you quite a distance. I'm not sure for how long. It is getting a little old, I have to say. We all can't wait to be back face to face. So that's a little bit about what I do and my team looks to do every day with our partners. That's great. Thanks,
0: Tara. You have breadth, all of the partners across, but a focused market, although Canada is still a very broad market, but very focused. Amber, would love to turn to you and learn a little bit more about your role. And you are a little bit more focused on more of a specific set of partners. Tell our listeners more about what your role and what aspect of the partner ecosystem you focus on.
2: Thank you, Kathleen. First of all, again, hats off to all the incredible women out there that won awards and didn't win awards. It's truly an honor to to work among so many talented women. So I've been in the industry for about 16 years. I've been in channel specifically for the last 12. So obviously that's where my passion lies. And what I look after is our MSP, our managed service provider side of the house. So cloud provider partners who leverage VMware technology, build it into something else or wrap it with services and deliver that as a managed service out to customers, really owning that customer experience end to end not requiring customers to have expertise in the technologies. And I think that's one of the key functions that we serve, which is every customer on the planet right now is trying to go through this digital transformation, evolve their business, take advantage of technology, but there's so much out there. How do you possibly become an expert in everything and help those customers really outsource some of that expertise so they can focus on growing their core business. So my team functions as a liaison between our partners and our field sellers on the one hand, and our corporate teams on the other hand, where we'll work with finance teams and programs teams and product management and things to take services to market, that those partners can then wrap again with their own services. So one of the things we focus on is the breadth of the portfolio available to them. How do we make sure that we've got technologies across multi-cloud, modern apps, networking, and user computing and security all available to those partners? How do we help them build out that business model provide some context and and services IP in some cases around how to leverage that and build that into a managed service model in their own company with unique and differentiated services, and then how to get that message out to our customers and and our sellers. So yeah, it's it's an honor to work in this space. There's something new every day. We're in a global capacity, so we get to learn a lot from what's happening in one geography and leverage best practices across the globe, which is exciting. It's pretty amazing seeing what our partners have done with our technology and, and how customers are benefiting.
0: And definitely an exciting space, Amber, I think about one trend across all partners. It is all around managed services as our customers are shifting to consumption models, partners across all routes to market, all markets, all customers play a critical role in helping them be those guides and stewards and help, whether it's completely picking up from an off standpoint, helping them be guides and navigate it, but It's all going to be about services, and I think managed services is one of the fastest growing areas across the business. Tara, I want to shift back to you. I know that you were with Dell for almost two decades before joining VMware about five years ago. I'm curious, and Dell has also been a very strong partner-oriented company with some great people leading that business over the time and years that I've had the pleasure to work with. How did your time at Dell help you shape the way that you approach your current role at VMware?
1: For starters, yes, it was almost two decades, just shy of two decades, and I had planned to only be there two years. That plan changed very quickly. It was a company that I felt offered the ability to learn every single day, the ability to bring my best self every day, and essentially be an entrepreneur within the four walls, so to speak. And so half of my career at Dell was spent in direct sales. Prior to Dell ever getting into the channel, not only did Dell not have a channel, but we were in competition with the traditional solution provider. And so I spent half my career in that space competing, and I spent the other half, after I was asked to go start up our uh, channel organization in Canada, trying to win the trust And the hearts and minds of our partners who we had competed with for so long. And I think that experience, having to go from a company that was relatively unheard of to number one market share in a variety of different areas, I was used to not being the best of the best. We started out unheard of and, and needing to really work every day to earn the trust of our customers. So when I moved over to the partner community, that was no different. And I think Dell realized over time that they needed the channel in order to scale the business. Being on the side of having to earn the partner's trust and go from competitor to partner certainly was a humbling experience. And it prepared me, I believe, for when I came to VMware, I was astounded by the recognition our partners had on our technology. I mean, when I said I was coming to VMware, they thought, wow, what a great move. VMware is so strategic. I had never heard that. But when I joined VMware, I quickly realized that VMware was used to being number one in its space, you know, vSphere, traditional. So I believe the philosophy around the need to partner was quite different than the world I had come from. So I felt like in order for us to become number one in these new solution areas we were focused on in the new VMware, we needed to shift that mindset from we're number one to we need our partner's help to go be number one in these areas. So I think having that experience was essential in my ability to really work with our partners around our new technologies and getting them to bring to market.
0: Listening to Tara, how you're describing that mind shift, I do think that positions you perfectly going forward because both in our new technology spaces and in spaces like managed services And with our cloud providers, Amber, where you're working, VMware needs partners even more because all of the activation, everything around a subscription-based model, again, is based on the feet on the street, which are going to be our partners in working not even the last mile, the first mile with our customers around guiding the purchase as well as the adoption and the choice. So I think that's a great mindset to frame your thinking about how you're approaching. And it'll be a great advocate with us as we continue to help educate people within VMware on the critical roles our partners play. You talked a little bit about trust. What I was curious, I'll ask you, Tara, was in your time, we'll talk about the, the second half of your time at Dell and Time at VMware where you were on the partner side versus not directly competing with our partners. But what trends have you seen remain the same year over year? And what do you see as some of the emerging trends that have started to be different over the last couple of years and maybe even particularly accelerated by the pandemic over the last year and a half?
1: So I think what hasn't changed is our partners being the trusted advisors for our customers in all of my years in the channel that remains consistent. That being said, our partners have had to evolve. They've had to specialize. They've really had to learn how to differentiate themselves from their competition and truly add value to their customers in order to stay relevant. In terms of technology, I think years ago, part of it was the industry I was in, and part of it perhaps was traditional selling of licensing and hardware is this transition over to SaaS and subscription, I think is a fundamental shift in the way we consume technology. Our partners need help, and we are here to help them get there. I don't think anyone's got it really figured out. We're all on this journey together. But it is a fascinating one, and I think it's one that VMware will be incredibly successful in over time. So you talked about SaaS
0: and consumption and services, and Amber, that's a perfect segue over to you. Since you work day in and day out with those cloud providers who are on the leading edge of that shift and transition to consumption models and SaaS we may actually want to start with you letting folks know how many cloud provider partners we have, because it's actually a pretty big number. But do you see our cloud providers helping to shape and maybe even accelerate this trend that we're seeing with customers around shift to SaaS and consumption? How are they being a catalyst in terms of working with customers with this trend?
2: So we have about 4,500 cloud provider partners today. And again, those are partners who are either building a cloud asset heavy, or delivering managed services in an asset light mode, or some combination of the two. When we expanded our cloud provider program at the time, we said, look, build or buy, or do some combination of the two. Choice and flexibility is the name of the game. And that's true of our cloud providers as well. So their customers are looking to shift opex models away from traditional capex expenditures and cloud providers across the board offer lots of flexibility there so whether it's license subscription as a service SaaS, whether it's term commitments with oftentimes a cost savings or consumption-based models where you pay on the drip right ultimate flexibility They offer a lot of options around commercial flexibility that a lot of customers are requiring in this day and age. Again, so much volatility and and so much business change that having those options to pick and choose from really makes sense for customers. And then likewise, VMware providing that to our partners is very important. It's it's much easier to take a commercial model that one company has and pass it along than try to morph it into your own. So we do a lot there to try to build out that choice and flexibility for our partners. So certainly driving that market force in terms of commercial options, but moreover, I think also technology options, right? How do you pick and piece together so many pieces of technology and make it seem like one service, one continuous business model? And I think that's where cloud providers also add a lot of value, including multi-cloud is the future. How do you support workloads that sit all over different clouds, customer on-prem, a cloud provider, a hosters, environment, a hyperscaler cloud like AWS or, or Microsoft Azure or Google? So we've got workloads living in a lot of different places, and what do customers want? They want the same thing all of us want. They want ease of doing business. They want to be able to go to one or a select few cloud provider partners and access those technologies from a single pane of glass, have choice and flexibility in how they consume them and have choice and flexibility on the commercials as well. So they're helping drive that for our our customers. We're helping drive that for our service providers. And with every new technology that VMware either acquires or develops in house, aim to offer that same consistency and, and choice around models.
0: Definitely an exciting space. My assumption is events over the last 15 months have just accelerated that model as probably demand for services have gone up from customers. They've had less ability to leverage their own internal infrastructure and probably looking to partners even more. Would you say that's the case? And have you seen that over the last 15 months?
2: Oh, data migrations are one of the top use cases, absolutely. So customers looking to retire hardware, get out of the data center business, again, move to an OpEx model. That is a big use case. And how do you do that? How do you do it quickly? How do you do it so it's not disruptive to your business? This is, again, outsourced IT. How do you keep the lights on and move to the cloud where it makes sense and keep things on-prem where it doesn't make sense? So absolutely, migrations are a big value add that a lot of cloud providers specialize in today. Do you
0: see around again, the managed service business model? Do you see the future over the next couple of years being this more of the same? Or are you seeing any trends in terms of how partners are delivering or adopting that business model in terms of how it's evolving? Any major trends from a service provider perspective?
2: Yeah, a few. I mean, we've definitely seen a consolidation over the last few years. So partners just acquiring other cloud provider service provider partners will always have certain cloud providers and service providers that specialize in a niche area or niche market or, you know, for data sovereignty reasons might always exist in a certain country delivering their own cloud hosted solution. So, yes, I I think consolidation is a big one. Security is what I mentioned of the five pillars that VMware is focused on. Security is one of the the most important areas that service providers deliver managed services today. How do you make this transition in a secure way that's not disruptive to your business? We've all seen examples in the news recently of how important that is and making sure that companies can continue running their business or in some cases, business critical services to all of us while these migrations happen in the background. So how do you adopt these new technologies and go faster while securely managing this change is is a big one. So a big focus there for our service providers. And again, back to this choice and flexibility thing, not all partners are trying to be all things to all customers. Most partners that we see be really successful are the ones that pick very specific, unique, differentiated services, and they go deep on those. For example, you might have SAP workload specialization in those partners base their business around SAP. Obviously, you've got FedRAMP or some of the government sector and public sector partners that, that focus there. But by and large, this choice and flexibility for their customers on how they consume and how they set up their budgets to support that consumption is another big trend. So anything is open in the future, we've got AI technology and machine learning and all these new technologies coming at us that who knows exactly how all this uh, industry will be disrupted. But I think one trend won't be going anywhere anytime soon, which is the shift to services and outsourcing the expertise needed to maneuver that. Because if customers and partners and even VMware, if we don't do this, We risk going the way of the dinosaur and and nobody wants that. So our partners are coming out swinging and I think it's just tremendous opportunity for all.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you're right. It is rooted at the end of the day in the choice and the flexibility that our customers are looking for to be agile for their business and more responsive to trends and, and events of the last year have just further pressured our customers to look for creative ways to do that. Events over the last year, I think, have pressure tested all of us in, in various different ways. Tara, I was curious for you, as shifting more to conversation or topic around leadership and leadership style. I know you lead a very broad, extensive team responsible for our entire partner ecosystem around Canada. I'm curious around how the events of the last year have pressure tested your leadership style with all of that. And so maybe we start with what is your leadership style in terms of growing and building this team? And then how has that been pressure tested over the last year?
1: The last year has certainly been different than any other that I've experienced as a leader or as an employee, quite frankly. So in terms of leadership style, I would say number one, it's collaborative. I believe and I lead my team in such a way that we are one, It is VMware before any individual. I think that that philosophy has helped in the past year. I also think connection is important my team, God bless them. Sometimes they would roll their eyes when I would talk about vulnerability or I'm a big proponent of Brené Brown and her leadership styles and Simon Sinek. I made them watch her power of vulnerability. And I really think that all of that came to fruition this past year. Uh, This was a team we've been pretty consistent in terms of who's on the team for the last four years. So we've had that time to build the relationships. And I would say over the last year, that has been so critical in our ability to get through it, not only get through it, but actually try to thrive when we come out the other side. There were so many situations or life events we encountered together as a team over the last year from Black Lives Matter, where personally, in terms of how I've changed as a leader, it really was incredibly humbling, I think is the best way. I have experience working in a third world country. I thought I was pretty cultured. And this last year made me realize I didn't know what it was like to be Black. I really didn't. And when I heard my team talk about what it was like to get out of their car as a teenager or wonder if they were going to get stopped and what would happen when that event took place, it was just something I'd never even conceived of. So when we think about DE&I, There was so much learning for me this past year and just continuing that vulnerability, I think, has really enabled us to get through the other side. I know in Canada, we're not as far ahead as the U.S. in terms of getting out of this COVID world. We're still in lockdown in Ontario. And so it's really testing the limits, I think, of everyone's mental health. I purposely check in with people, which I hadn't done outside of scheduled one-on-ones. I would say I'm, you know a lot more diligent about just making sure everyone's okay. One of the practices I implemented about six months ago, I, I read about it was, instead of asking people how their weekend was on your team call, ask them for an emotion to describe how they're feeling. And so I started this, give me one or two words to describe how you're feeling on this Monday morning. And it has changed the entire dynamic of my team meetings. And you don't need to go further. You don't need to explain if you don't want to, but it really gets you to to get a sense of where your team is at, truly at. And so those phone calls happen after. And it's really brought the team closer than I could have ever imagined being in person.
0: I love that perspective. I've had so many people share their observations that it's been both this really inherent conflict in this experience we've had over the last 15 months together, because on one hand, we're all so far apart, we're siloed, we're in our little Zoom boxes, right? How we're talking and not being able to be in person on one hand, but on the other hand, we are all more connected because we're going through a shared experience and these other shared experiences. So it is opening the door for those conversations of, for those of us, and I'm one of those people as well, who absolutely has had opportunities, a life of privilege, not necessarily fully economic privilege, but privileges that other people haven't had. And coming to an appreciation of what those things are. We've seen the kids coming into the office, the cats walking across the keyboard. We've had more intimate moments than we've ever had while at the same time we're separated. And I hear you. I think the other area we're being tested as leaders is how do you keep it going? Because we're all just getting so exhausted and tired of this. And we are grateful. I mean, I'm here in the Bay Area in California. We're getting ready to open things up in a little bit. So we're just on the verge. And I know things in Canada aren't that better. And there are all these different stages across the world. And folks in the South America countries and India are having challenges. And then there are flare-ups around the world. So we're all struggling with it. But it is testing all of us. And Amber, I'm curious for you. How have you been tested over the last year? And then the other lens I wanted to ask you is around not only keeping teams engaged, but keeping your bench and talent. Because one of the things I know we've seen through this year is, although we're all at home and work, the barriers have been broken down in terms of allowing people to move and shift and move to jobs. And there is a hunger for talent out there, particularly in the tech space. So I'm curious as how you've been tested, but also how you're staying engaged with your talent, our people, so that they stay connected to VMware.
2: Oh, my gosh. Well, Tara hit the nail on the head. I mean, what a crazy year. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. This last year, uh, let me maybe just start with me personally, and then I'll talk about the team. It challenged me in that when the pandemic first hit, I've got two young children, and all of a sudden I was teacher, teacher's assistant, grading papers at night, back-to-back conference calls, you know, how the workday goes, of course. And so trying to figure out how to shuffle everything was really overwhelming. And I just got to the point where it's like, you have to just realize that we're all human. We all have our limits, we all have to navigate change and set new boundaries and find some new way of pushing through such a, just a traumatic and really overwhelming event in our lives. So, I think the first thing that happened for me was, you have casual conversation, we all talk about the fact that we have family life obligations and things like that, but it became a topic that we carved out special time to talk about. How are things going at home? Flexibility, of course, right? You need to go take your kids somewhere, drop them off. Granted, we didn't have many logistics during this pandemic, but just take some time and and be together because it's not the same having your kids in the other room and you're on calls all day long and you need to just work in your personal life throughout the workday. So that was definitely a shift and just the mental health aspect of it too. There's this cloud hanging over you of worry, especially in the early days. And so shuffling that, making sure that everyone feels like they have the space and the permission to set boundaries, to figure out what works for their family. Doesn't matter if you have a family or not, just take time for yourself and focus on your own well being. We've said that for years, especially in technology. There's always so much to do. If you let it, it will fill 24, 26, 28 hours a day, more than you even have. So making sure that you set those boundaries, it became absolutely critical. And then just talking about the fact that we're all having the same shared experience at the same time, and how can we support one another? Our team calls also became much more personal and emotional than they ever had in the past. And sometimes, you know, that was the majority of the call. And then it was, okay, we all feel a little better now. Now we'll get back to our day jobs. Because at the end of the day, we all hire top talent. I mean, we've got such a talented team around us everyone's professionals i never really worry that the work will get done because i see it day in and day out i'm more worried that people take the time to take care of themselves and obviously that makes you a better employee but it also makes you a good friend and a good human so yeah the year was challenging i think juggling those things was a big one and then at every turn there was some big event in the world The topics that you wouldn't normally talk about at work. I mean, personally, I I never talked about racism or just calamities that we had all year long. It was an opportunity to just be open about topics that I would have considered taboo a year ago. And then we in California had uh, fires and we had quite a few people that lost their homes that we knew. And I had other teammates going through their own things. I mean, Texas, what a crazy year they had. And then now India, you don't come from India and not know somebody that's not being affected by the terrible surge they're having over there with COVID. Again, we banded together, I feel like, in a really family-like way. And so that's just, again, being human. I think that's also helped the team, certainly helped me weather this crazy year. So that helps with the talent bench, I suppose, if you look at it through that angle. But the things that we do on a normal year, again, we hire top talent. We hire people that we know you can trust to go not only do the job well, but find the job that needs to be done. So I'm a big believer in letting people own something, you know, put their arms around it, own it, drive it. If you want to go do something new, let's talk about how it benefits the business and drives towards the goal, and then let's go for it. I think there's lots of ideas out there, no no bad ideas to get on the table. And this is breaking glass in this space. So there's always opportunity for creative thinking. So I try to give my team the space to go build out their own legacy, so to speak, build out their own business within a business. My boss does that for me, which I sincerely appreciate. It, it makes it a lot more fun. And then beyond that, it's execution with a combination of periscoping up once in a while to make sure we're headed in the right direction. So it's this cycle that we go through as a team to make sure that we're setting goals together together. We're meeting with all the teams that we work with. It's a highly matrix organization. We're going through those goals together, making sure everyone's on the same page and bought in. Then it's execution phase. We check the milestones, make sure we're organized about driving toward the, the timelines and things like that. These are complex projects that we're working on to drive this business forward for our partners and customers. And so we sort of have this cycle that we go through as a team. So collaboration across the board is super critical. And just to tie that in with the first part of the conversation, it's that collaboration. You realize how important that is when you have a year like this. And VMware's got one of the best cultures I've ever seen. And the fact that your own teammates can feel like a family, you know, a work family, is pretty special.
0: At the end of the day, I think it comes back to, Tara, what you were saying, which is about trust. It's important to have a trust-based relationship with our partners but it's also to have those types of relationships with our team members as well, as we've all been on this journey of self and group discovery, as we've all been pressure tested by recent events. I do have to share, by the way, I love, Tara, your suggestion about starting with the emotion. Recently, one of my colleague at work, but I read about it on a LinkedIn post, but it was a great idea, is there's a whiteboard feature in Zoom. If you haven't used it, it's really cool. I recommend you check it out. And she shifted to a team meeting where they opened a shared whiteboard and everyone had to draw what they did over the weekend or draw how they were feeling. And she said it was this kind of a joint fun therapy session, but again, trying to find another way to have it not be just dialing it in, but engage people in a different lens. And so that's a fun best practice for anyone in terms of bringing a different way to interact with people. So that's just great. Would love to wrap up with you ladies today with a couple of fun questions. So Tara, we'll start with you. What is one new app on your phone that you've recently discovered or started using for either for fun or for productivity? but that is something new that's made its way to your phone recently?
1: So I would say it didn't make its way to my phone recently, but I started using it during the pandemic, was TED. And it's the TED Talks app. What I find so interesting about it is if I have seven minutes of time, I can look at the most popular or the subjects I'm interested in based on the time that I have available. And it's been amazing, whether I'm in the car, on a break going for a walk ted would be the answer to that
0: oh that's great this is the way i find all the new things to add to my phone and ways to spend my time when i'm not on zoom calls so i'll put that on my list and amber i'm assuming that over the last 15 months you have been on planes less you have been traveling less, you've had a little bit more time at home, although it sounds like you have family that wants to take all the time you have, but have you had the opportunity to either pick up a new hobby or reconnect with a a hobby or an interest that you've had while you've been more at home over the last 15, 18 months?
2: Yes. Actually, I re-picked up piano. So I had some lessons when I was a child, and for the holidays, my family all got a piano. And so we, we all picked up a new hobby. We just sort of tinker with it. But uh, yeah, having some fun, learning some new songs. And it's funny how when you spend that much time in your four walls, how you really look around and say, OK, you know, what do I have in here that can entertain me? And so between that and just sports, any sort of bikes and trampoline and, you know, some some things to keep people occupied around here, we have put those to good use. But uh, we'll see on the piano front. It's it's going well, but it's going slow. <laughs> well,
0: no pressure. But you can invite us to the first recital, but that's <laughs> that sounds great. Okay, last thing for each of you. Amber, is there a particular philanthropic organization that you support or you're an advocate for that you'd like people to have on their radar?
2: I support the ASPCA and basically anything to do with animals. We volunteered the shelter here and uh, just a big animal lover. So I would say that would probably be my number one. I would
1: say my number one would be the Yellow Brick House, which is a shelter for women and children who are escaping domestic violence situations. And I think the pandemic in the last 15 months has really exacerbated so many domestic situations, men, women, children who have nowhere to go. So it's one that I'm pretty passionate about.
0: And so many studies have shown how the events of the last year have been particularly challenging for women, women with families. I'm very fortunate that my children are college age, so they can take care of their own care and feeding, but I don't have to deal with the school. But my sister-in-law and folks, Amber, like you, who mentioned you navigating school, it's been particularly challenging. And of course, which just highlighted domestic challenges. So lots of issues there. So that sounds like a great organization, Tara the Yellow Brick House, and it sounds like they're doing some amazing work. Well, thank you, ladies, very much for joining me today. It's been a delight to talk with you about your perspectives on the industry, get to know you a little bit, and again, about the leadership that you're driving, which has led to why you've been recognized as among the Power 100. And so thrilled to have both of you as part of VMware and fellow leaders to work with.
2: Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yes, thank you, Kathleen.
0: And we're back. Again, congratulations to both Tara and Amber for being recognized among CRN's Power 100 list and for sharing their perspectives on VMware's partner business and ecosystem. To connect with Tara, you can find her on LinkedIn or Twitter at at t fine channel and to connect with amber you can find her on linkedin please subscribe follow and review vmware partnership perspectives podcast from your streaming platform of choice for more information on vmware's partner programs please visit partner executive edge at vmware.com i'm kathleen tandy and you've been listening to vmware partnership perspectives thank you for listening until next time